Step into our confessional. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. From Greatest Hits Radio, Simon Mayo's Confessions. Hello and welcome to another Confessions podcast. The more optimistic idealists among us, who think nothing than the very best of our fellow man and woman, might have thought that by now we would have exhausted the nation's stories of deception and dishonesty. But here we are again, and fortunately for us and the future viability of this podcast, which has only just restarted, our friends, family and colleagues continue to disappoint, and that's what this feature is entirely based on. Yes, without that, we would really be without a podcast. You've let us down again, mm. and so we gather once more to pass judgment on another lineup of letdowns in search of forgiveness. And what keeps this feature going is the fact that we could, everyone continues to mess up. <laughs> Absolutely. They keep going. <laughs> it would be a very dull world if everyone stuck to the rules, wouldn't it? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Wouldn't the, wouldn't the world be more orderly? I mean, so well, I mean, we can get into that. This yes. could be a whole different other podcast. No, no, no. no. And if a podcast everyone... I would want to listen to as well. <laughs> if, yeah. if everybody stuck to the rules... Yeah. That's about sticking to them rules. Yeah, I think would the world be a better place? Mm. I think it, it may well be. Yeah. It be. Anyway, that's the end of that feature then. <laughs> Sister Holly has her headphones and stern face on mm-hmm. and ready to go. Brother Matthew has taken his jacket off, left his morals at the door, because he does have the morals of a sewer. Rat. That's true. Mm-hmm. Taking Matthew- my jacket off makes it sound like I've come in from the golf country club with yes. my jacket on. Is that not right? No, You and no. your horsey friends? Ra ra ra. Coming up, a classic from the crypt featuring one of Confessions' great lines. One of the best of all time. Sir, what are you doing... What are you doing in my kitchen? (laughs) I do remember that. Sir, what are you doing in my kitchen? (laughs) Oh, yes. It was one of those confessions which is constructed in such a way as thinking, okay, where's this going? Where's this going? And then that happens. Sir, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing in my kitchen? (laughs) You'll hear the whole thing uh, fairly shortly. Uh, Producer Holly finally gets access to the tack cupboard this week. It has been... Uh, locked up, but she's kicked it in, basically. Uh, more of the confessions deemed unsuitable for broadcast. Uh, and, of course, all of the confessions from the Simon Mayo Drive Time Show on Greatest Hits Radio 4 till 7, Monday to Friday. True. Including Johnny's newlywed story, One Night in Bangkok, Hugh's tracksuit-clad tale, Are You Strong Enough to Be My Man? Thursday's confession, You've Got My Number. Why don't you use it? But first up, some Valentine romance from Patricia. This is the pyjama drama. Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Uh, Simon and the Cherubic clergy. Somewhere in the northwest of England in the 1980s, I'll take you back to a cold February where it was not surprisingly extremely cold, wet and cloudy. However, the highlight of February was my birthday and, of course, Valentine's Day. On this particular birthday, I was 13 years old. I'd always been a model child, polite, well-mannered, responsible, and my parents were always quick to point out what a good child I was. So, my birthday is the week before Valentine's Day, and this year my mum had bought me some lovely pyjamas. Thanks, mum. Pastel blue and white striped PJs with lace on the cuffs and on the front a big lacy bow. 
Very new romantic. Very. They must have cost a pretty penny, by the way. My mum told me to take care of them, giving me the look, you know, the one all mothers give you. Personally, I would have preferred something related to teenage ninja mutant turtles, like Donatello, he was my favourite. But the pyjamas were nice, and I was quite pleased. (laughs) Not. So fast forward a few days and Valentine's Day. Now, true to my recently inaugurated teenage years, I was in love with the boy down the street we're going to call Patrick. He was divine, Father Simon. I would find excuses to see him in the street, me playing outside his house, me walking the dog outside his house, (laughs) me roller skating past his house. You get the picture. Now I think of it, I cringe with embarrassment, but at the time, Patrick was the bee's knees. We've all been there. This Valentine's Day, my friend... Catherine was coming round to stay the night in order to fulfil my cunning plan. She obviously knew about Patrick and me. Many were the days and hours and minutes and seconds of talking about our beloveds. She had her own crush at the time, so we took it in turns to go over their respective future husbands. Basically, the plan consisted of sneaking out at who knows what o'clock, i.e. when my parents and big brother were fast asleep, to post Patrick's Valentine's Day card, lovingly chosen at the newsagents down the village. Obviously, I could have posted it so much easier, but this seemed so much more (laughs) exciting. And as I mentioned earlier, I have a tendency for trouble. So Catherine came in the afternoon and we spent it preparing and practising our escape route. We waited to hear the gentle snores of deep sleep, or in my mother's case, the 747 rumble of takeoff. <laughs> and we were ready. We crept down the stairs, avoiding the ones that made a noise, sidled past the sleeping dog into the kitchen, opened the back door, and climbed over the fence to the street. Off we went down the street to Patrick's. Everything had gone as planned. I tiptoed up his driveway, up to the door, opened the letterbox, and in went the card. Catherine, of course, was safely watching from behind a bush, and once the deed was done, off we slinked again, back to my house, over the gate, into the house, and a quick high five. So up to now, everything was going okay. But Patrick, you need to know, had an older brother. Let's call him Phil. And Phil, in our eyes, was, to be honest, the ugly duckling of the family. And to this day, I cannot say if it was Catherine or me who suggested sending Phil a Valentine's Day card too. The reasoning being that he would feel really bad if his brother had got one and he didn't. So, and this is for Holly, our intention started off as being quite good. Angelic smile. Right. (laughs) Problem one, we had no spare Valentine's Day card, but quick thinking solved that. It's mid-February, so we had some Christmas cards, so we converted a Christmas card into a Valentine's Day card in a jiffy. Merry Christmas became Merry Christmas and Be My Valentine, all in one, (laughs) with a few hearts drawn next to Santa Uh, and the reindeers. Problem two, what to write inside? Well, Patrick's Valentine's Day card had a secret admirer, but this one I wrote... Roses are red, violets are blue, your brother is cute, but we felt sorry for you. Nice. (laughs) So once again, off we went, out of the back door, over the fence, down the street. Catherine again ensconced herself behind the same bush and I tiptoed up the driveway, up to the door, opened the letterbox, posted the card with the confidence of experience. The difference this time was that I inadvertently let slip the letterbox instead of carefully closing it like I had previously and it made a slight click. Hardly audible at all to human ears, but it was enough for Fido the Rottweiler, Patrick's dog, who woke up and let out a ferocious... We changed the name of the dog. Of course we have. Ferocious, let me out to kill the intruder kind of bark. The words, run for your life, spewed from my lips. But Catherine must have seen it coming as she was already halfway down the street. My survival instinct kicked in at this point and boy, I can tell you I've never run so fast. 
As I went turbo, I slipped on the wet pavement, but fear had me firmly in its grip and I bounced up and continued to leg it. I did not look back again, but thankfully reached my own house, threw myself over the fence and found Catherine bent over gasping from our 100 meter sprint. She then looked at me and said, what has happened to you? She pointed at my legs. On glancing down, I saw massive rents in my beautiful new expensive pajama bottoms and through the holes, my bloody knees. That wasn't swearing. That no, was no, 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 just the blood on my knees. Yes. Yep. It looked like I had done a better job than Fido would have done. After all, I had a small panic attack then, not because of the blood and cuts, but thinking about what my mum was going to do when she found that I had ripped the pyjamas. Well, as you might imagine, we binned the incriminating evidence of our nightly prowling, and to this day, my mother does not know what happened mm. to those fantastic pyjamas. However, I really beg forgiveness from Patrick's family and Fido, the Rottweiler, not its real name, for waking them up in the middle of the night and probably giving them a good scare. And also from Phil, I hope he saw the funny side of our very witty Valentine's card, which is really a Christmas mm. card. I'd like to take the opportunity to say you have a great show and please keep up the good work. I think that's probably in desperation, <laughs> thinking that Holly is just going to be stern as ever. P.S. Neither of us got Valentine's Day cards. Is that penance enough? Let's find out, Sister Holly. Well, I just feel really sorry for the brother Phil in all of this. We yes. felt sorry for you. I would have rather just not received no, a Valentine's card. They got lost in the post again. a Christmas card converted and also your brother's cute. We felt sorry for you. That's just mean. I think that's actually quite nasty. It's always, that's always the worst part of the worst confession. Uh, and you ruined your pyjamas. Sneaking out in the middle of the night is never a good thing to do. It's just never a good start. And no. so for all of those reasons, I'm not going to forgive. Sneaking out twice as well, which mm. seems nuts. Um, Matthew. It feels like the most important question here is, why are you making two trips? Why, why do you just send both cards at the same time? Or just post what? them. Just post them. During the day. Yeah. Why, why do you make two trips? Uh, and also, the dog's inside. He's not going to harm you. You can bark all it's like. Is it? unless, unless the dog is able to unlock a Yale lock, you're perfectly safe. Uh, also, it turns out that m- m- despite mum saying, oh, they better take care of these pyjamas, mum didn't notice when they went missing. So, turns out, mum, little bit dim. So, for that reason, (laughs) going to forgive. Simon Mayo's Confessions. So, we conclude from that that if you've got a dim parent... Yep, yeah. ..you're always going to forgive. Anything goes with dim parents. So, if you can in some way insinuate that your mother or father... (laughs) Yes, then you'll get forgiven. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's how it works. Would you be one of Valentine's bigger fans? Uh, so, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but uh, so my wife is uh, vegetarian and for a Valentine's Day meal, uh, booked us into this restaurant, which looked amazing. Uh, sort of black and white features all the, all the way around. It looked very classy. and went there on Valentine's night and sat down and, um, and basically the waiter came over and presented us with the meat that we were going to be having cooked because it was a steak restaurant and that's all they served was steak. Right. And my, my wife, I remember, said, oh, no, thanks, I'm vegetarian. And the two couples on either side of us, both of them turned around and went, what? Why are you? Why have you brought her to this Argentinian steakhouse? Yes, if she's vegetarian. The name. Yeah, exactly. And she said, "No, no, no. I'm very happy with with whatever else you've got." And turns out all they had was chips. Uh, but that was that was also that was also good. Uh, my steak was fine. So you treated your wife yes. to taking her to a steakhouse. Steakhouse. I thought I genuinely thought they'd have like a vegetarian option. <laughs> no. I didn't think they'd be bringing over. It was they could have literally brought the cow to our table and said, which bit do you want? 
Uh, but uh, yes, um, not many brownie points that year. Made it no. up other years, didn't Is I? By right? being as fabulous as I am. Okay, yeah. that's that's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, in general, people who are like under the age of twenty-five, like you. Uh, they're not interested in this kind of thing. Uh, like old, I love Valentine's. It's old-fashioned nonsense. Really? I, I, I really love Valentine's. Yeah. Me and my friends, yeah, love it. And then when we didn't have partners, it was like Galentine's. It was what? Galentine's. You get your gal pals, Galentine's. Oh. Well, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so you'd send a card to your friend. That's not Valentine's. No, it'd be more like you would spend Valentine's together and you'd maybe... Well, that's not hang on, that's thing. just going out. That's going out with your friends. <laughs> going out with your mates. How's that? No, Galentine. but maybe like you'd get like heart-shaped like chocolates and like get loads of like food in and pizza, maybe like some candles. So it'd almost be not romantic, but like fun. No. Like no, so it's just a fun night out. With a fire hazard. With no- yeah. nothing to do with Valentine's Day <laughs> at but all. on Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. Not convinced, Holly. No. Were you Not romantically convinced. involved with all of your friends? <laughs> yeah. If the answer yes. to that is no, then this sounds like... No. No. Did you ever take out an advert in The Guardian? No. I see, I did... I've never heard of this. Taking the newspapers. The Guardian. Yes. The newspapers. <laughs> it's, a, it's a liberal, liberal, liberal paper read by all BBC management. <laughs> no, but taking out an advert and what's saying happy Valentine's to your loved one yeah, in the Guardian. Yeah, with a mysterious poem. You, would be mysterious. you can't say, I wouldn't be able to say to Holly. I would have to go to H... And then I have. Are you to... romantically involved? No, 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 no. But if I was doing it, and then you you can't use the re- the real name. You've got to use. You can't use their real name, and you can't use your real name. You need to be able to refer to yourself as the stranger in the trench coat. Actually, that sounds very. <laughs> <laughs> no, Who wrote de- these rules? Don't, this is like explaining a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote these rules? Why? No, do you, no, why no. can you not? Well, just I suppose put you could. Name? You could do that, but everyone else in that column would uh, point their fingers. But your say, idea is Valentine's night. <laughs> Just going out with friends. <laughs> going out with mates with a candle. That's the Galentines, anyway. yeah. <laughs> uh, but ridiculous. Anyway, Parish Notice Board time. Thank you very much indeed for just sending us uh, exciting pieces of information. I'm going to look through some of the uh, emails that we've received for the Parish Notice Board with deeply exciting news that Holly has finally been granted access to the tack cupboard. Mm. So we can make uh, this week's Parish Notice Board something of a tack cupboard special. Uh, which means any of the following contributions may be rewarded with what? I mean, what, what, when you prized open the doors of the tack cupboard, what did you find? Well, we, we've got a few bits here. Uh, we've got, I mean, really quite fantastic stellar stuff. It's a Greatest Hits radio pen. Oh, right. is that the blue? Uh, yes, it's, I've got one here. It's a blue pen, yes. Very good. It's very nice, shiny. Uh, uh, a Simon Mayo autographed sachet of butterscotch angel delight. Absolutely. Did we, did we go out and buy the angel delight? or did they we get sent to us by, by, by Mr. Angel Delight? Y- I'm sure. I think so. Yeah. Uh, a copy of Paul McKenna's Success for Life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the one that's been knocking around for a while? It has been. So it is, is it, there. It's the, yeah. one, it's the one that I defaced. <laughs> yeah, I drew, I drew circles in Paul McKenna's eyes. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, and, a few, and a few gingerbread Ken Bruce biscuits, which have, he's got a little Christmas hat on as well, which is. Right. The best before fun. is in March. It's in so, March, so yeah, you're yeah, okay, yeah. guys. Absolutely yeah. fine. But they're heading towards stale. They yep. are. Yep, 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 yep. So if you get them, uh, consume them quickly. 
Uh, Ross says, Simon Matt Holland, in the first episode of the new podcast, whilst discussing the tat cupboard, you mentioned you have an abundance of Ken Bruce photos. Every day at work, whilst listening to Popmaster, I hear the contestants quickly asking Ken for a signed photo after saying hello to everyone they've ever met in their entire lives. This got me thinking, how cool would it be to have a signed photo of Ken all for myself? However, not signed by Ken, but by the entire Drive Time team. Ah. Especially Holly, having learnt she's shared a chair with with Queen Victoria. Very true. Everyone can sign it, just not Ken. Its uniqueness <laughs> could make it more valuable, thereby promoting it from Tat. I enjoy the show and the podcast. Keep up the good work from Ross. Okay, Ross, we will get a Ken Bruce postcard. Yep. And we'll, we'll all sign, sign it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guarantee that Ken won't be signing it. No. Yep. And Holly obviously will... Uh, She'll make sure that her name is the biggest. Obviously. She's close as a queen. Squeeze mine into the bottom. Um, Hello, Simon, says Lisa. I just wanted to let you know that last week's podcast had my sister and I in stitches. Having both previously been in the brownies and girl guides, we recognised the annoyingly perfect girl, Priscilla, straight away. We had Sophie in our brownie pack, and my goodness, was she irritatingly perfect at everything. Well, that was nearly 30 years ago now, but I bumped into Sophie at the bus station in town last year, and let's just say, time has been kinder to some of us than others. Love the new <laughs> podcast, keep making us laugh, says Lisa. That is, so my new favourite phrase is carrying a lot of city miles. Yes. And when you wow. meet someone who is the same age who's as you, to seed. who's gone to seed a bit, you say, ooh, they've been carrying some city miles. Wow. Yeah. Why are city miles, why city miles not country miles? Because a car, let's say, if you've got a car, yes. and you only drive it in the city mm. versus a car that's been driven on the motorway. Oh, I see. It gets clapped done, out. It gets clapped out much quicker. Yeah. Mm, so, so that's true. city man. And Dave the Shorts, London cabbie, says, listen to the podcast, absolutely loved it. Can I please have something from the tack cupboard? Love this and wait excitedly for what turns up. Perhaps the Paul McKenna book? Maybe that would... Um, Tick that box for uh, Dave in yes. his shorts. Uh, and sorry about the adjustments to Paul McKenna's yeah. face. And the content <laughs> of the book. Yes. <laughs> Reuben in Cornwall. After many years of curiosity, thank you for finally enlightening me regarding what happened to the goat in the mine shaft oh, in yeah. Cornwall. Mm. I recall hearing a very similar story told by the late Cornish comedian Jethro. Now, either there's been some plagiarism going on or the farmer didn't learn his lesson when his first goat went missing. Uh, I actually think it's. it also turns up in a movie about uh, a singer called Joseph Locke, I think. Oh, really? I think it's, mm. I think it's one of those stories. So, oh, right, so we think it's one of those apocryphal stories. Maybe, that, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for bringing back my favourite podcast. It's one of the highlights of my week says Ruben in Cornwall. Also, here's a few more uh, five-star five reviews star. from mm-hmm. uh, last week's service. We only accept five-star reviews. Hermione D says, laughing so hard, funny looks from family. I'm so happy that this is back. Best podcast I've listened to ever. Uh, Tom W787 says, five stars. Sounds, Tom sounds like a bot, doesn't it he? It does, uh, yeah, anything <laughs> with numbers. Mm. Uh, forgive me, Father, for I have subscribed. Uh, thrilled to hear the return of this podcast. It's so good to have you back. It's a perfect blend. Simon wit, narration and cultured accents, oh. Matt's infectious, infectious laughter and unashamedly flimsy reasons for forgiveness <laughs> and Holly's relatable, down-to-earth anecdotes about sitting in the Royal Box at Wembley. <laughs> Thanks to her connections at the Royal Opera House. Mm-hmm. Make for the most enjoyable listen. Thanks for all your hard work and perseverance to bring this broadcasting gem. Five stars on our tunes and it's at times like these that I ask, how quickly would Bobby Pryor say Unforgiven? Yes, well, mm. I mean, what it's like from a, that's like a ghost... 
Yes, from, from those from those times. Dark, uh, let's let's dark, go. Dark, dark days. <laughs> back to the land of living. Uh, William Shearer, five stars, says complete joy and nostalgia. Absolutely thrilled to have confessions back. Takes me back to mine and my dad's weekly and hilarious tradition of listening and laughing together. Once again, reclaimed its pride of place and become my Friday tradition to listen to on the commute home. Thank you for once again gracing my ears with Simon's soothing voice. I would give you ten stars if I could. Long live confession. Yeah. Thank you, William Shearer. Um, Don't forget to uh, subscribe and give five stars and send us notes of praise. Uh, Thanks for everything that you're sending us. Keep them coming. Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Quick mentions to Astrid, Lady M, Stephen Hill, Mel Matthew, Lolly Cotts and Rob Hughes, who are among those who tweeted the secret code phrase from last week's podcast, as did Katie Hughes. I'm the leader. I'm in charge. I'm the leader. I'm in charge. I'm the leader. I'm, and so on. But actually, <laughs> so, yeah. actually, I am. And as a parish clerk, I have my own parish notice board too. Oh. Though I admit the contents is less amusing than yours. The Confessions podcast is worthy of a five star review and definitely the best laugh of the week. So that was the catchphrase, wasn't it? From yes, uh, I'm the leader. Mm, I'm in charge. Was. Yeah. Which was Holly's incredible uh, performance. Yes, <laughs> which has been set to music. We're just checking whether we can play it because mm. we have to pay for the music have we to have pay it. Mr Fat Boy Slim yeah, don't we yeah. 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 anyway keep listening through to the end of this particular podcast to pick up this week's secret code phrase which unlocks a whole host of fabulous it's like an easter mm. egg like they it used is. to have on DVDs remember them no, no. nobody remembers that uh, a VH it was like it's like a modern version of a, of a VHS right okay <laughs> PG rating for this next bit. It's the sleazy, grubby part of the podcast. The confessions that ended up in the pile. In fact, PG rating is a little bit soft. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If it was PG rating, you'd probably get on. Yes. More like a 15, Mm. I would would have thought. Anyway, these are from the pile marked not for broadcast due to, it says here, due to the regulatory rules of Tea Time Mm. Radio. Yeah, which is like saying the same thing twice. Mm. Okay, so due to the rules. Due to the rules! rules. Or the regulations. Could be that. The regulations and the rules of Tea Time Radio. So, uh, firstly, Mark, who helped a mate out when he was looking for room to rent after moving to London for a new job. Mark told his friend that his landlord had a room available in the house that he was living in and offered to help make the arrangements. After agreeing the rent for the room... On his friend's behalf, the landlord told him not to worry about fees and deposits as it was a friend. Taking advantage of the situation, Mark took a £1,500 deposit from his mate to pay for some car repairs. (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, that's not on. That being bad enough, he, he went back to the friend to say the landlord needed him to pay an additional arrangement fee, which Mark used to treat his girlfriend to a night out. That's not good. I mean, that's... Is that illegal? That, must, that can't okay, be illegal. I'll get, you, I'll get you this room, but you'd need to give me 1500 quid. It sounds as though it's like extortion, like mafia mm. behaviour. It's it's like a parable about the London renting scene, I think. Is uh, that right? Is that what all, you found that's out? What I, yes. That's what I would say. Um, Claire um, also sent, sent us one which will not make it on the air. Uh, during her first week working at a new hair salon as a senior stylist, she realised halfway through a busy shift that she'd made a catastrophic error with a customer's hair colour. Feeling an attack of new job nerves, she panicked and just left... <laughs> <laughs> left... She left the salon, never to return. 
What? Unfortunately, this was unfortunately this was in a relatively small town, so she had to spend the next couple of months diving into shop doorways to avoid bumping into the customer. Fortunately for Claire, her awful hair made her easy to spot. <laughs> I, I don't. That's. I mean, that must be very close to not. But that is a we superb can, story. We can do that one. Come on. Why can't we do that we one? Should be able to. Do- Why can't we do that one? Because she just left her. Didn't that's she? okay, but that's, that's not. not Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to make some tea. We've never... This will be interesting. I, I, I reckon we should be able to have an appeals process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Because yeah, cause the, yeah. The, the, the producer above Holly is called Gareth, uh-huh. who actually never wants to say anything on no, air. One no. of those rare producers who doesn't want to <laughs> muscle their Imagine way into that. the show. Yeah. So I think we should have an appeal process whereby we could say, we would like to do that one on air. Yeah. I, I would lodge that appeal. Supreme okay. Court of mm. Confessions. That's yes. What we do. Okay. Yes. We'll, yeah. we'll, so we'll have that. And maybe, so maybe that one can live again. And the podcast listeners will go, I am so smart because I've already heard that. Uh, and I know what's going to happen. Uh, and, yeah, you, and you'll yeah, be yeah, the yeah, one yeah, yeah. looking all smug, which is yeah, 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 yeah. a fantastic thing. Uh, getting back to business now with the uh, confessions that did make the cut. This is Huey's tale. Are you strong enough to be my man? Simon Mayo's Confessions. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Today's confession comes from Huey. Um, He gets the smart speaker. Thank you, Huey. Today's tale. Simon in the Forum of Forgiveness. My confession goes back 40 years to late 1983, and it's something that has troubled me from that very day. As a pillar of the community and very respected managing director of an extremely successful business now. Ooh. The story starts as an innocent evening, late in 1983, as a 15-year-old with three mates, we decided to head off to the shows at the Kelvin Hall in Glasgow. We decided that we would make the day of any young ladies that turned up, so we looked at we looked out our best tracksuits. Of course. <laughs> Yeah. And Lecoq Sportif T-shirts. Oh, yes. We just needed to turn up and the girls would fall at our feet. It's a good plan, we thought. <laughs> not much. That doesn't count as a plan, yeah. I don't think. So, uh, we're already off we went. One of the lads had found his dad's stash of skull lager and we snaffled a couple of cans for us to consume on the way. So, okay. As we arrived and paid... Obviously, that's not a good thing. No, no, it isn't. As we arrived and paid our admission... A belly full of cheap lager, well, half a can each. We then went swaggering around looking for some young ladies to chat up with our best gear on. (laughs) Yeah, check out these trackies. One of the lads had enough fluff on his lip it could be picked up with a good pair of binoculars. (laughs) So we really, really meant business. As we wandered around, we noticed the punch ball machine. You know the one where you put in Mm. 10p, you press the button and it drops down and waits to be punched. So we thought this was perfect. Not only could we show off our incredible clobber, but also how strong we were. Happy days. Now, this machine measured how strong you were from Weedy right through to He-Man. That was the... (laughs) He-Man, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. As I did a bit of boxing, says Huey, Ah. I thought at best I'm going to break the machine or at worst Mm. I'm going to be top scoring as a He-Man. So I engineered my turn to be last because if I broke it with my strength, (laughs) then the others may be disappointed that (laughs) they they did not get to have a turn. Anyway, so friend number one hits the thing, fairly mediocre results. Friend number two hits with a poor display, only one up from Weedy. 
Friend number three hits with a decent result, getting to the second half of the chart. Okay, right, stand back. This is my turn. <sighs> Head full of concentration, two steps back. I am going to knock this thing into space. As I step forward to unleash my power, I actually missed the punch ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what happened next has lived with me from that moment. I stumbled forward and what would be described in wrestling terms as a forearm smash landed on an old lady (laughs) who happened to be passing by with her grandchild. Oh, Oh, dear. Down she went. She landed on the grandchild, closely followed by me on top of both of them. (laughs) So the child is crying, the old lady is shouting. I looked for help from my three friends, but they'd run off. All I could see them was disappearing into the crowd. I helped the old lady and her grandchild up whilst taking a Glasgow mouthful from the old lady. (laughs) I apologised profusely. After she calmed down and I helped dust her down, she went off muttering. Now, three young ladies approached me to tell me that they thought what I'd done was pretty decent to help that old lady up after Uh. she'd fallen over. In my heart, I wanted to tell them the truth. But what came out when I opened my mouth was, you know it was nothing. Uh, anything I can do to help. The only way we're all going to get along is if we put others first. So true. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Definitely works. People in the world try to make ends meet. Yep. You try to ride car, train, bus or feet. You want to compete. It's like that and that's the way it is. Now, I know that you know that's Run DMC and Jason Nevins, oh, but they, yeah. didn't know, they didn't know that. One of the girls took a shine to me, Father Simon. Poet, he-man and gentleman all in one. Wow. What and, a catch. And smelling of lager. Uh-huh. We agreed to meet two days later. This went on for a whole three weeks, then fizzled out. But three weeks when you're 15 is like a permanent relationship. Yeah, it is. It's like marriage, (laughs) except not. I seek forgiveness not from the old lady as I did apologise at the time. Plus, she's probably no longer with us. Or the grandchild as... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was 1983. Fair enough, I think. I don't think grandchild will remember. But I do seek forgiveness from the young lady that thought she'd bagged herself a thoroughly decent, well-dressed young man. However, in reality, she got a lager-swilling old lady bashing, lying lout. Yes. Mm. I hope that she and the Forum of Forgiveness can find a way to look beyond that episode and look at what I've achieved since... And forgive me. Oh, beg your pardon. Annabelle. Um, what have you achieved since? Well, you're a managing director of a successful business. Mm. Well, apparently. We've only got... So cool. Yes, apparently. <laughs> but, you know... According to him. According to Huey. He says he's the managing director. Self-confessed liar. Yeah. <laughs> he's, that's right. Lager-swilling, <laughs> granny-bashing lout. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, what do you say, Sister Holly? It's just a tale of arrogance from the start, isn't it, really? Uh, uh, you know, the fact that he started off, he was strutting his stuff in his really great tracksuit and then thought he could really show off by punching because he thought he would actually break the machine. Yes. I mean, it, it just is so ridiculous and so daft. Uh, and falling on the old lady, that was really quite silly, wasn't it? I think he should have come clean to the girl who thought he was he was being a really nice person. No wonder the relationship didn't last, frankly. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad she's not with you anymore because I'm, I'm not really sure about that behaviour, really, from the start. So, no, no forgiveness here. OK, stern as ever. Ferocious, indeed. Mm. Indeed. 
Uh, I don't think we should condemn him for, for trying to impress the ladies with a bit of Run DMC. Because <laughs> it's, it's the same as using poetry, isn't it? It's the same thing. Same, but Someone else wrote it, and you're trying to pass it off. So that's fine. Uh, and also, I'm going to say that the granny could take care of herself. I think she was fine. And maybe shouldn't have been walking so close to the punch bowl. Yeah, think about that next time, granny. Um, so, yeah. So for My that reason, actually, it's her fault, isn't it? <laughs> and the ladies, it turns out, were impressed by his tracky bottoms. So I am going to forget. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Still to come on the Confessions podcast, we delve into the crypt for Jazzy Jeff's classic confession, Ugandan discussions down the disco, Johnny's newlywed story, One Night in Bangkok. Before we get to that, here's Robert's story. You've got my number? Why don't you use it? Simon Mayo's Confessions. Today's confession comes from Robert. Uh, it does contain some fairly excruciating, uh, not rude language, it's just oh, really? a little bit... Uh, oh, a bit fruity. Really? And also requires an Italian accent and... Excellent! A, and a Bristolian wow. accent. Wow! So I apologise <laughs> to everyone from uh, in the Bristol area and also anyone who is Italian. So here we go. This comes from Robert. Okay. Uh, Father Simon and your humble congregation, I feel it is now time to fess up for an action I undertook about 15 years ago, which I feel deeply ashamed and feel the need to cleanse myself. It all started on an evening out with my fiancé. Here's the first thing. Who is still my fiancé due to never getting around to actually organising a wedding? So that's at least 15 years <laughs> they've been engaged. Goodness me. So I'm in a well-known Italian restaurant in the city centre of Bristol. All was going well to begin with. We were greeted by the lovely lady at the entrance, who we should call Antonia, who sat us very close to the entrance on a table for two, opposite a window without anything to look at. She asked politely in an Italian accent, Can I get you a drink? <laughs> I replied in my Bristolian accent, Point a Peroni for myself and a glass of rosé for the, for the Hang lady. On. Hang on. Coming, all right. Well, well, it's generic. Okay, oh, really? Off the shelf. Oh, good. Coming right up, she said with a cheeky right smile. Up. And then she said, I won't be a minute. Now, to me, won't be a minute means, say, five minutes tops, but not according to Antonia. I know that in the Mediterranean, it's a little more laid back. However, apparently won't be a minute means 15 minutes. And eventually wow. our drinks arrived and she then stated she'd be back to take our order in a minute. Oh, blimey, I thought. Here we go again. Finally, after being sat down for at least 25 minutes, our order was taken and we were told the garlic bread with cheese to share would be out in a minute, in addition to another round of drinks. Now, don't get me wrong, it was a very busy restaurant and it did appear very understaffed. Poor Antonia reminded me of Mr Tickle with her hands and arms all over the place dealing with many tables and orders. However, 45 minutes had passed until our garlic bread and cheese finally arrived. It was devoured in seconds like a locust in a cornfield. I think I must have had three quarters of it and my lady had a quarter. Okay. I mean, my lady. My lady? lady? Ooh. And why did you have three quarters? Anyway, it certainly wasn't <laughs> enough to fulfil my hunger nor calm down my agitation. It was at this point, with a little bit of help from the Peroni, that some switch went off in my brain. This was 
uh, on the uh, one hour point when we hadn't actually received our carbonara or arrabbiata respectively that suddenly I had a sneaky idea of amusing myself to pass the time and distract my hunger pains you may remember I mentioned we were situated near the entrance of the very busy restaurant opposite a window with nothing to look at and we were sat right by the greeting counter this greeting counter had a very stylish cream coloured phone the type that Joe Pesky would smack someone around the head with in a gangster film Joe Pesci obviously Joe Pesci yeah that's an interesting that you look at a phone and think that's the kind of phone Joe Pesci <laughs> yeah, would use to smack someone around the yeah. head with Anyway, stuck to the counter in big bright lettering was the restaurant's name and telephone number. At this point, my lady had gone to the toilet. <laughs> Again. So, so this was my opportunity. I reached my hand deep into my pocket, took out my mobile phone, and began discreetly to type in the phone number of the restaurant. 141 obviously typed in first, so she wouldn't know who it was. I then put my arms into a folded position, hiding the phone. Bring, bring, bring went the phone and began ringing and ringing and ringing for a little while before a sprinting Antonia picked up the receiver and introduced herself and the name of the restaurant. A simple secretive press of the red button on my Nokia cut the line dead and her quick but polite efforts were in vain. My lady was back from the toilet but was none the wiser. I was still sat with my arms in a folded position with the phone hidden. The advantage was this time that as the restaurant's phone number had already rung, it was just a question of tapping the green uh, button twice. And as we continued uh, to plough through our main, I gave the phone a double green press. Again, poor Antonia dodged and weaved like a rugby centre and got to the phone. Hello, hello, she was booming down the phone, but once again, I got no response. In my evil mind, I wanted to see how far her buttons could be pressed until she began screaming. I think, Robert, no forgiveness, by the way. <laughs> it was on the sixth calling attempt when it all started to hit the fan. The bring-bring noise made Antonia jump out of her skin and up into the air like a bad juggler. Smash, crash, bash went our plates, side plates and cutlery. Smash, crash, bash, accompanied by the standard hey by the restaurant guests echoing around the room. Feeling guilty, I offered to help Antonia, but she politely said, it's okay, it's obviously just not my day. To which she began to tell my lady, and I, her recent misfortunes, that she'd been dumped by her cheating boyfriend, had failed one of her university exams. In addition, three co-workers had phoned in sick and her boss hadn't eased up on the customer allowance in the restaurant. We began to offer our sincere condolences and deepest sympathies, which she rewarded us with a free dessert, which actually came quite quickly, well, ten minutes in Antonia time. You're the nicest customers I've had all day, she smiled and gave us a wink. Well, of course, I felt terrible, but to my credit, I did leave a generous tip, says Robert. Oh, well, that's all right then. We left the restaurant eventually full and my, la my lady... Mm. <laughs> still doesn't know that it was me that was making the phone ring every five minutes. Wherever Antonia is, I'm seeking forgiveness for my... Seven wind-up silent calls that drove her to turning a well-known Italian restaurant into a Greek one. For only adding to her day of misery and driving her to tears, even if I did get a cheeky free dessert. In my defence, you have to understand hunger pains and agitation I was going through. I needed amusement, I needed distraction, but now 15 years further on, I feel as though I need some forgiveness. But I don't think you're going to get any of it. <laughs> at all. For behaving like a pillock. Anyway, uh, Sister Holly looks severe. This is this is bad, Robert. Bad. No offence, but I don't really like you all that much. <laughs> We're going to start off with the fact that with the bad stereotypes of of Italian and Mediterranean people. All all that it would just be a minute, but in a minute it's really slow there. Then you kept calling your partner my lady, which is just mm. a bit a bit naff. Fifteen years of being engaged. That, that's just a no. And then. 
who who enjoys seeing someone rushing around? She's rushing around. She's really busy. Those those waitresses and waiters, they work very, very hard. They're doing everything. They're doing their best. And you thought, oh, I'm just going to push her buttons and make her life worse. Who enjoys doing yes, that? Robert, Robert is the Robert answer. does. And for, I mean, for so many reasons, yes. not forgiven. Good luck with this one, Matthew. I mean, it's going to be so, <laughs> it would be so easy, wouldn't it, just to condemn uh, Robert for that. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, he's made everything worse, hasn't he? By calling constantly, he's made sure that everyone's meal is going to be delayed. So probably everyone in the restaurant hates him. We don't really like him. But he, he's, he's, he's written in for the confession, hasn't he? And he's burned his soul. He knows he's not going to get forgiven. Well, he's going to get forgiven by me, uh, just because of the accents. I'm giving it for the accents, just for the for the Italian and the Bristol, well, Bristol, uh, Somerset, well, uh, Southwest, <laughs> Wurzel accent. So for that reason, I'm going to forgive. No reason at all. None. Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Johnny says, Father Simon and team, my sorrowful story begins early 2010. Upon the announcement that my partner and I, after a whirlwind romance, expressed the intention to join in holy matrimony. My partner, we can call her Amber, was lucky to come from a large and loving family who also, by happy coincidence, happened to be very wealthy. Ah. <laughs> After much persuasion, arm-wrenching, gnashing of teeth and a swallowing of pride, I allowed Amber's family to organise and pay for the wedding and reception with the condition that I organise and pay for the honeymoon. Oh. Now, during the course of planning for the honeymoon, I consulted with a friendly and rather efficient travel agent. I had the pleasure of uh, I had already had the pleasure of doing business with previously. My plan was to whisk my new and very beautiful bride to Bangkok, then stay in a hotel in somewhat smaller mountains than I'm used to, followed by 10 days on PP Island. The plan was to travel on a I think I've got the pronunciation. He is hoping. <laughs> it's P H I P H I, I think. Okay. It's not Fifi. No. no. Let's go with PPI. Let's, let's, let's go, go with, with that. PPI. The plan was to travel on a weekday following the wedding weekend as it was less expensive than embarking on an actual weekend. As I was a freelance office worker, I decided to go into the office and work on the few days leading up to the honeymoon. I placed the itineraries into my work drawer and proceeded to work the next few days. One afternoon, I received a telephone call from my best man asking me if I'd do him the pleasure of joining him at the public house in Clapham <laughs> for a night of revelry, high spirits and perhaps one or two bitters. Mm -hmm. As the evening turned into these small hours, I did start to feel slightly uncomfortable. So I stumbled home and I'm convinced I used some sort of public transport, but I'm not sure. Stumbling into work much later that following morning, nursing a spectacular headache, I decided to look at the latest version of the itinerary. I retrieved it from the travel agent's plastic wallet and attempted to focus upon the courier font typed numbers and words. As I did, my heart stopped. According to the official itinerary, my beautiful bride and I should have been enjoying a rooftop dinner in Bangkok round about now. Oh, no. Oh. Whilst I was on the lash with my best friend the night before, I should have been clutching my bride's hand whilst both fastened safely into two adjacent seats of a British Airways 737 to Bangkok. Panicking, I telephoned the travel agent. Attempting not to slur or burp too much and ignoring the smell of kebab, I explained that my new wife and I had missed the flight and we were, in fact, both still in Blighty. The travel agent explained that the process of reorganising the flight, the Bangkok hotel booking, 
the coach booking to the Small Mountain Hotel. The Small Mountain Hotel booking, the Catamaran and PP Island Hotel booking would be fraught with obstacles, paperwork, expense, difficulties and more cost. Unless, of course, the reason for missing the flight could be attributed to humanitarian causes beyond our control. <laughs> OK. Seeing pound signs flashing and the face of my angry mother-in-law projected on the inside of my already sore and red eyeballs prompted me to declare that my father-in-law had suffered a massive and terrible heart attack the evening before whilst on a family dog walk and was in fact in Southampton General Hospital intensive care. I realised this was a slight stretch of the truth as he was in fact at that time a picture of health and playing cricket at his local village green. <laughs> okay. The emotionally alert travel agent asked me if my bride was of sufficient mind to travel that evening given that her father was allegedly preparing to knock on the pearly gates. Further inspiration entered my despairing mind and promptly left again. I explained to the travel agent that my father-in-law had expressed as potentially his dying wish <laughs> that oh his my word. newly married daughter go to Thailand to enjoy the honeymoon with her handsome and caring husband. Oh no. Travel agent told me she would do her best and would telephone me as soon as she had any progress to report. The next hour or so was probably the worst hour of my life up until that point. When the telephone rang, it was the travel agent. She informed me that she had tidings of joy to impart. She had, in fact, managed to reorganise everything. The flight, the Bangkok hotel booking, the coach booking to the Small Mountain Hotel, the Small Mountain Hotel booking, the Catamaran and the PP Island Hotel booking. All were now booked a day later, starting from this evening. Even the cost of this reorganisation, 750 quid, could not impede the intense joy and relief that filled my heart and mind. The day passed with very few further misdemeanours or terrible realisations. I could even feel my hangover attempting to dissipate. Despite a nervous energy slowly taking hold of me, my wife and I got to the airport without a hitch and we stood in the queue to check in. Our time came. Checking clerk ushered us forward and I saw a lovely smile appear on the countenance of my new bride. The checking clerk took our passports, did some magic with the scanners and other electric things and duly informed us of our seat numbers and printed a boarding card. As we thanked her, she said she was glad that we made it as the airline expected us the evening before. I exclaimed, feigning surprise, that I had absolutely no idea what she was talking about and that she had made a mistake. My wife's smile disappeared just like her mother's smile whenever she looked at me. <laughs> I grasped her hand and dragged us off to the departure lounge. This scenario occurred at every check-in and check-out from then on. My wife did express surprise several times at the number of check-in clerks who had made the same mistake mm -hmm. through the two weeks of joyous honeymoon. Anyway, I explained this away by something to do with the international dateline or something like that. All right, yeah. Here's the thing. To this day, my wife has never found out. <laughs> oh. Okay. So it's another one of it's another one of those yeah. how on earth have you kept this a secret? I love it. Johnny still married to Amber. Lying alcohol exotic holidays. Who could ask for more? Sister Holly. <laughs> uh, the thing is, obviously, we've all done that thing where we've got on the wrong day for something in terms of a meeting or, or whatever. However, this was your honeymoon. honeymoon. That's a big deal. Very, very important. Yes. And so to get that wrong is really quite daft. I also don't like the idea of him lying throughout. He could have just said, look, I'm so sorry this has happened, but I've reorganised everything. You don't have to worry about it at all. And actually, I'm sure she would have been absolutely fine with that. I think lying... It's never the answer. It's never a good thing Isn't to do. No. no, and so that's why I'm not forgiving at all. 
Let's see what Matthew makes of it. Yeah, big fan of lying. Uh, no problem with that at all. Uh, I mean, he ended up having to pay 750 quid, didn't he, to get it all all sorted. So, you know, there's 750 quid from Johnny. Well done to him. Uh, and, and also because, you know, he was having to pay for the rest of the honeymoon as well, as it turned out. So I, I don't think there's anything to forgive here. I mean, obviously, it would be nice to have let Amber in on what had happened. But, uh, you know, he was offered the opportunity of getting it all sorted out and he came up with the uh, heart attack thing, which feels a bit grim. But anyway, apart from that... It's all forgiven. I think I'm always shocked or impressed or possibly both by the confessions that end with and they don't know about it to this very day. They still don't know the truth. The best yeah. thing about that is that they don't know about it, but the way I'm going to tell them is via the medium <laughs> of national radio and have them find out about it at the same time as everyone else. Yes. It's crazy. Who can keep a secret in for that mm. long? Well, it seems, though, an awful lot of people can. A surprising amount of forgiveness for Johnny uh, from the People's Verdict, some even pointing the finger at the bride and the best man. Sarah from Gravesend, forgiven, but surely his new wife knew what day she was going I'd have been packed and waiting and finally Simon the mechanic in Leicester says completely forgiven as it was the best man's fault for taking Johnny out the best man should have known the itinerary or was he just trying to scupper Johnny's plans because he fancied Amber mm. Mm, but it was a little bit late oh yeah because we just the got wedding. married oh, okay, well, yes, well yes, maybe the true. best yeah. man wasn't very bright no and hadn't noticed yeah, that's also an option uh, okay there's a prequel to be made there <laughs> Yes, if you had a thick best man, tell us, uh, <laughs> yeah, if no, you were the thick best man, yeah, or if yeah. you're the best man that fancied the bride. Yeah, yeah. I knew the bride before she used to rock and roll. Correct. Anyway, you can send your tale confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. So here comes another classic from the archives, Dear Father Simon and the Holy Order of Confessional Entertainment. Sing Hosanna, the podcast is back. And my weekends are complete once more. I love hearing you do the confessions on the radio, always try to listen at work. But as an ambulance technician, hopefully you'll forgive me for sometimes missing the end of the occasional story. Fair enough. You know, what with crises and everything. <laughs> yeah. Although, does anybody really need to hear the whole confession to know that Matt will somehow find a way of forgiving? <laughs> well, now the podcast is back in my life, I catch up at the weekend and giggle my way through the Saturday trip uh, to the supermarket. The confession I would like to hear again. This is from Charlotte Leemore, by the way, uh, of the Chelmsford Parish. Mm-hmm. The confession I'd like to hear again is the one where a teacher ends up on a date with the parent of one of his students. This had me cringing and crying with laughter when I heard it, and I've tried retelling it to friends a couple of times, but it's just not the same. I'm sure if you could include it in a future podcast, I could convert some new followers to the sacred confessional podcast. Yours faithfully, Charlotte Leemore of the Chelmsford Parish. So, transferred from a TDK C90 cassette this very morning using high-speed dubbing, this is Jazzy Jeff's confession, which we called at the time Ugandan Discussions (laughs) Down the Disco. Something to confess? Simon Mayo's Confessions. Today's has a certificate of... Let me just check with... I think it's a 12 certificate, Producer Susie. Here we go. It's a 12. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It comes from Jazzy Jeff. Thank you, Jazzy Jeff, for sending in today's uh, confession. Dear consciences of the nation, bringers of truth and guardians of justice, having recently retired from the travails of teaching history, I feel an urgent need to seek absolution 
from an event that is still burnt into my memory nearly 25 years after the event. And let me tell you, once you know what happens, these will be burnt into your memory <laughs> really? as well. Oh, good, uh... good. I was always one, says Jazzy Jeff, to be in the... Work hard and play hard, brigade. Okay. Now already I've lost patience with yeah. Jazzy there Jeff. There we go. Because yeah, 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 this yeah. has—we've all met people who say <laughs> that, and basically it means I behave very, very badly <laughs> on a regular basis. But it's okay because I'm—I'm I'm very hard at work, you know. Yeah. And I, yeah. No. Anyway, no. It just means you're a moron. Anyway, <laughs> so Jazzy Jeff continues. Sorry for that little uh, diversion. Intrude. Work hard and play hard, brigade. And after a hard week's teaching. I thought nothing of spending the weekend supporting a variety of hostelries and clubs. One such establishment operated as a kind of late-night club and disco for a clientele that would be best described as divorced and desperate. <laughs> oh, I, don't okay. Okay. I don't imagine it was your kind of place, Father Simon, to be honest. Nor Sister Susie, and I'm not quite sure about... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Moral of the sewer rat, so, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. As I quite easily fitted into both of those categories and had done for some years, it was naturally my last port of call on a Friday night as it stayed open till two. I think I mentioned that. Imagine my delight then when one Friday I attracted the attention of an attractive 30-something who seemed vaguely familiar and seemed to strike up a quick and warm rapport with me. Soon we were locked in discussions of early Etruscan pottery, <laughs> Swedish foreign policy after 1600, and although she wasn't sure about some of the finer points of the Schleswig-Holstein question, I was happy to explain. Very good. Wow. Has the Schleswig-Holstein question no, been discussed no, on Grace Fitz Radio no. before? I'm happy to put that right. Indeed, says Jazzy Jeff, such was the rapport that we soon decided to continue the earnest and intense academic discussions <laughs> back at her place. Mm -hmm. OK. Time passed. <laughs> yes, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah. The next morning, I threw on my discarded multicolored T-shirt, bunged on my tatty boxer shorts, and no. headed down to find the kitchen and coffee. Succeeding at both, I was enjoying a brew when I heard a sharp gasp from the kitchen doorway, and then what can best be oh no, <laughs> could best be described as an indignant and horrified shout with a side order of disbelief. Oh no 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 no! It went like this. Sir, what are you doing? What are you doing in my kitchen? To my horror, I locked horns with Foghorn Frieda, a 13-year-old who I'd only said cheerio to about 24 hours earlier as she exited my classroom. You know, I'd regularly failed to engage in learning, and in a very teenage way, she'd always let me know that my lessons were rubbish. And the subject worse. Before I'd even finished the world's lamest response... Uh, I was I was just passing and I thought <laughs> I thought I needed some coffee, some coffee in my underwear. Yeah. She looked me up and down, swung on her heel and stormed upstairs. No wonder her mum looked vaguely familiar. I'd been chatting to her at a parents' evening just a few weeks earlier. And here is my need for forgiveness. Not from Foghorn Frieda. Her mum and I dated for six months and she eventually got used to it. But to all my colleagues who over the rest of the term had their lesson ruined by pupils butting in with such questions like, is it true that Mr. Jeff was at Frieda's? Did you hear that... Mr. Jeff was it? Does he really wear green and yellow boxer shorts? Wow. No call for that. 
I throw yourself, I throw myself even, <laughs> uh, at your mercy. Well, I'm not sure how this is going to go for Jazzy Jeff, but I do think the line, Sir, what are you doing in my kitchen, is, uh, is the kind of thing that will stay with you for a while. Let's check in for forgiveness. Sister Susie, producer of the show. Yeah, well, I... It's a nice story. Uh, you know, I think all teachers probably fear that thought of going out with one of their students' parents. But I've just, I, I just, I don't like that he called himself Jazzy Jeff. It's a bit like that work hard, play hard. I'm jazzy, jazzy. Um, and also, calling the club divorced and desperate. You dated this foghorn Frieda's mum for, for, you know, a couple of months after that. Yes. And you classed her as divorced and desperate. So for those reasons, from me... Not forgiven. Oh, I like this. It's a not forgiven from Sister Susie. Things are looking bad for Jazzy Jeff. I might have added the Jazzy myself, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Um, um, but anyway, <laughs> I think... something he would do. I definitely. think he deserved yes. it. Uh, yeah. Brother Matthew. Uh, I mean, takes two to tango on this, really, doesn't it, uh, Jeff? Um, I'm going to say... I mean, I, I, my instinct is to forgive. Um, however, the green and yellow boxes, what on earth is going on there? Green and yellow, those Nor don't go Nor together in Norwich boxes. Norwich City support. Oh, really? Well, that's that's as maybe. I, obviously, this has been seared into the memory of poor uh, Foghorn Frieda, and indeed for all of us, I think. So I am. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to err on the side of 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 forgiving uh, Jazzy Jeff, despite the name, despite the playing hard, working hard, and the green and yellow boxes, because I'm in a forgiving kind of mood. Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. The thing is, you're always in a forgiving kind of way. <laughs> yes, you've noticed a trend. However yeah, shocked yeah. everybody yeah, is. Yeah. But I, it is certainly true, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, the, the line, sir, what are you doing in my kitchen, <laughs> is just one of those lines that will Classic. just sum yeah. up everything. And yeah. I should just explain, by the way, to Holly, that Ugandan discussions is a private eye reference. Yeah. Which right. they all, it's like shorthand for... Having it away. Yes. Okay. Fun times kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. The good times sound like this? Is it like Definitely that? Definitely not that, no. given. Because that. <laughs> <laughs> that means... <laughs> that We're going to have corporate on to us any second whole, now. <laughs> what you're implying is the whole raison d'etre behind Greatest Hits Radio is sex. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay, I'm with right. you. I'm back with you now. <laughs> when you're thinking of having sex... Yes, no, right. Time to play chic. <laughs> yeah, well... You always have to reduce it to yes. a base conversation. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much indeed for all the, uh, the emails. If any of these confessions have made you think of something dark in your past... Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk If you'd like to request a classic confession... Ideally, I mean, we can talk about the confessions from the other side. Yeah, but we can. We, yeah. we don't obviously have access mm. to those. What with them being from a different company and everything. Yeah, well, yeah. Not strictly a company, but more of a corporation. That's true. Yeah. However, if, if there's a confession that we've done on this version of Drive Time that you would like to hear again, get in touch. Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. As we bring this week's service to a close, Matt has this week's secret code phrase. Galentines. That's uh, that's very much nice. the phrase Galentine. you need to be tweeting to Simon. What do boys do? Well, you, you could do. You two could do a Galentines. But it's, it's Galentines. But, so the there is gal. Yeah, gal, yeah, but still, like you're like Ladentines. No, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, Matentines. No. 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 
Anyway, <laughs> it's not an improvement, <laughs> is it? Really. Anyway, so that's the code phrase, Galentine. So you uh, basically you tweet it. Oh, I'm also on Blue Sky and I'm on Threads. Are you on the Blue Skies? Oh. Are you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And the Threads. Is yeah. anyone else on Threads yet? Nope. No. Well, I'm on Threads, but I've not said anything yet. <laughs> well, Neither have I. <laughs> what was the point of that then? <laughs> Useless. Like the Dalai Lama. What? <laughs> the Dalai Lama. Is he? No, no, no. Does he take a vow of ding dong? No. Not the Dalai Lama. Who's the other one who doesn't say anything? Pope. <laughs> Pope. Pope. Pope says stuff. He tweets stuff. I think he's on Twitter. <laughs> I feel as though we've slipped into another. Whatever Matt's talking about, I don't know. Confessions at greatestitsradio.co.uk. That's our email. Until next time, Sister Holly says... Bye-bye. Uh, Brother Matthew says... Goodbye. I'm Simon Mayer. Thank you very much indeed for downloading us and tell your friends. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Want to confess? Simon Mayo would love to hear your story. He may even keep it to himself. He definitely won't keep it to himself. Send gory details, please, to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk.